Hello, fabulous friends, fans, and superstars. Welcome to Synchronicity Web TV. I am your host, Nadia Shaw, and this is your moment of synchronicity. Well, I'm so excited to celebrate with you today, Dustin Cormier. Now, I know you've seen him on my channel before. You know he's passionate and brilliant, and he has this very unique way of being a Vedic astrologer, but again, in his unique way that we are going to talk about. And I have just loved uh, profiling my fellow Canadian astrologer and sharing what it is that he brings. I really feel that he is on this pathway of continuing to grow and make an amazing contribution to astrology. And I'm really happy that he's coming to Synchronicity University uh, as part of the May 2023 speaker series for a very limited time, you can choose your tuition rate as low as just $5 a class to learn from Dustin and others. Well, Dustin, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Nadia. I really appreciate the introduction. I appreciate spending any time with you. It's a, It's truly an honor. And thank you for doing this with me. Well, so far, I have known you to be loving and brilliant, and I love that uh, you've blessed my channel. More than once, you've blessed my channel with that brilliance, and people have gotten to know you. So I know that you practice Vedic astrology. So can you talk about, like, define Vedic astrology? Of course, I know what that is, but it might be new to some people out there. For sure. And specifically, because I know that you are, you consider yourself a tropical Vedic astrologer. So I wondered if you could touch on that, like the defining sidereal and tropical and why you chose tropical. So let's start there. Thank you, Nadia. I appreciate it so much. Um, and thank you to everybody who's watching this. Uh, you know, Nadia, I, I have to say you're, you've all, you've been an inspiration. I was talking with you earlier about how you kind of you give the space for a, an astrologer like me to join you at the top. You put in all the work and it really means a lot to people like me that I can come on this show and discuss what I what we both love talking about so much, which is astrology. One of our greats, the late, great Donna Van Toen, she was the one that I learned that from. And so uh -huh. I love her. I miss her very much. She passed away a few years back. But yeah, she loved helping other astrologers. And she did that for me too. She gave me my first speaking gig at her conference, Soda. Uh, she introduced me to the agent where I was writing daily horoscopes for three years for Canadian newspapers. So I, I love that I get to continue that, but I learned that from her, like how rewarding and amazing it is. And especially to see someone like you, just who really deserves it. Like you deserve to shine. You deserve to have more and more people know you. So yeah, thank you for giving me the space to, to just uh, give her a shout out, to honor her as, as one of our greats. Yeah. Yes, totally. And, you know, we're all sharing in this knowledge of, of self, of self-realization. Uh, really, I consider what, what we often talk about in, in the Vedic knowledge is self-realization is what the Veda is all about. The word Veda kind of almost relates to vitality. And it's an a vital it's a vitality that exists in all of us beyond emotional preference. It almost is the pure nature of our spirit, of ourself, of what we are. And I often talk about in my channel about how we all have to go through, you know, there's like a nature and a nurture in all of us. And the nurturing we experience is like a programming 
that we have to experience here on planet Earth. I often find myself saying that the brain is a filtering valve. And beyond the filtering valve of our past experiences, beyond the doors of perception, there is what we inherently were supposed to be before we had this trauma, before we had gained this emotional attachment, and what have you. So all of us astrologers are all exploring and experiencing the joy of self-realization. And in the Vedic wisdom, we talk about uh, there's a beautiful phrase, and it's sat chit ananda. What it essentially means is chit, which is awareness and consciousness, is the substratum of being. And the essence of it is bliss. We all have a blissful nature inside of us. So Vedic, in particular, goes much beyond astrology. But astrology, Jyotish, we call it in the Vedic system, Jyotish being Vedic astrology, or astrology in general, really, is one of the limbs of self-realization. I think this is an important thing to bring up when we try to define Vedic, because what is Vedic is essentially the self, the soul, the spirit. And even what we explore in astrology, what we see in the natal chart, um, it's probably important to mention that astrology is not necessarily fatalistic. We come to an astrologer with a chessboard, with chess pieces that have been laid out. And the astrologer gives us an insight of how to use the chess pieces that have been laid out in a way that gets beyond our limited experience of the way that we've always thought we could use these chess pieces. We see the self beyond the emotional programming that we've experienced. And, you know, just like how Sigmund Freud was a psychoanalyst and he went to a psychoanalyst and his psychoanalyst went to a psychoanalyst, all us astrologers are doing the thing for each other. When you get a different set of eyes on your chessboard, you realize, oh, geez, I never thought that I could even use that chess piece in that way. <laughs> you know, so when I think of Vedic, I essentially think of experimenting with the the essence of one's inherent beingness and astrology astrology is one of the limbs of that now astrology is you know the vedic people would consider it as a vedic thing but of course you know when you're like me i i try to be a real cross cultural instigator and I've realized that you know one of the one of the huge phrases that I've been sticking to lately. Uh, it's that that old game of the five blind men feeling out an elephant, and this one's feeling the legs, and it's ah, it's got these four legs, and then this person feels the belly, and it's like, no, what are you talking about? It's this giant leathery mass. Another blind guy's feeling the tusks. It's this hard tusk thing. All different cultures and traditions are like these five blind men feeling the same self in one, which is the self in all, through different cultural lenses, through different uh, traditional cultural understandings. Now, what's really, as I understand it, there was a period uh, in history from 500 BC to about 0 AD when there was a melting pot. It was after Ag Alexander the Great did his whole thing. Uh, he settled, and then for 500 years, 
all the cultures of the melting pot around like what was like Mesopotamia around that era, the Egyptians, the Persians, the Greeks, the Babylonians, the Indians, all came together at that time. And there was a real fusion of all things astrologically related. It was at this period, a lot of people say that this is when the actual personal horoscopy came to be. So what we realize is that when we look through Hellenistic astrology, we see that there are there are lines shared in what we see in Indian astrology. And there are lines shared in what we see in all these different cultures. Just what happened is that the medieval ages occurred and there were historical things that happened. There was book burnings. There's the erosion of the papyrus of paper that was written down at the time. So much of the original continuity of these various traditions and cultures were lost. But again, these are all a game of telephone that centered around the same elephant. It's the same. It's all the same stuff. So when we talk about Vedic astrology, we're talking about a you know, it's like a color by numbers picture. India has the green, Greek has the red, Persian has the blue, Hellenistic has the yellow. And we need all these different lenses to get a vision of what it all was originally intended to be, which is one consummated cultural whole. Uh, does that make sense to you, Nadia? The yeah, way I yeah. describe that? I love it. You said it so poetically. And uh, I love the metaphors that you brought in as well. And so it is Vedic astrology that's actually connected to a more expansive spiritual understanding of whom it is that we are. You got and it. So how does, uh, can you define the difference between sidereal and tropical? Why is it, usually Vedic astrologers use sidereal, but not you. You like to use tropical. I use tropical as well, but I'm a Western right. astrologer. Right. So yeah, talk about that a little bit. I sure can, Nadia, and thanks for uh, thanks for prompting it. So uh, I've uh, I recently came on your wonderful channel, Nadia, and I I did a video talking about the age of Aquarius debunked, and the hardcore of that video. Uh, the reason I debunked the age of Aquarius in the way that I did is because I am. As a Vedic astrologer, I I went through the sidereal thing because Vedic astrologers, for various reasons that I do get into historically in that video, the Vedic people, like really what it comes down to is that before personal horoscopy, as we mentioned, around 500 BC to 0 AD, that's around the time these cultures came together and they got the idea through intuition, through some magical, amazing intuition that, you know, back in those days, you were lucky enough to get some bread, maybe some butter. And that's a good day 2000 years ago, let alone trying to think about the fact that we are energetically and vibrationally connected to the rotating planetary spheres that orbit the sun and the earth. So it's an amazing intuition that the ancient people had of the idea of a personal horoscope where the rising sign at the time of the earth, the earth spinning on its axis causes the idea of the horizon, the descendant, all the houses, and that the planets going in the signs 
are almost a reflection of the numerology of the houses. That's personal horoscopy. And that was developed not further back than 500 BC. And this is pretty well regarded and well documented. Now, astrology existed, the stars existed, uh, but it was more of an agricultural phenomenon. The red planet is in the sign of the bull, or it's with the twins, or what have you. It might mean something with our aggression in social brothers as a collective. Uh, you know, even Venus as the morning star and evening star, those things were all regarded in ancient times, but in a very uh, not, it wasn't personal horoscopy. It, it you know, the idea of the birth chart was something that was pretty recent. Before the birth chart, though, the stars were always there. The Indian people of the, the Vedic, the Vedic people, they were using the stars, an astrology of the stars, before the zodiac was invented. The zodiac is the 12 signs that we all know, Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Cancer. The 12 signs of the zodiac, as we know it, it's a tropical phenomenon, which means it's a geomantic system that is centered on the planets revolving around the sun from Earth's perspective. That's what makes it tropical, the sun going through the tropics of Earth in the sky from Earth's perspective. So we as Western users and as tropical users, we are considering it to be a geomantic science. Geo meaning Earth, geomantic kind of relating to the magic of the spheres revolving around the Earth as the center. Even though the Earth revolves around the sun, we are the center. We are the center of the cosmos. I am the center of the cosmos. I am Yahweh, you know? So we tropical users think of it as a geomantic science. And this was what was created as the personal horoscope, you know, with the rising sign that has to do with the earth. Again, that what that didn't get created until 500 BC to zero AD. Before that, there was an astrology of the stars. And the Indian people, the Vedic people, had split the skies, the heavens, into 27 sections. And this is what's called the nakshatras. Now, because they had been using the nakshatras for 3,000, 4,000 years, like they, there's mentions of the nakshatras in the Vedas. The reason is, is because the planets were very hard to... Uh, marked down. There was no ephemerises 5,000 years ago. So what they did was they looked at the sun in this star, and they looked at the moon in the night sky. The moon is in this mansion, the lunar mansions that they split into 27. Because they had been so familiar with the stars for much longer than the zodiac, when the zodiac was invented, it was very natural for them to assume that the stars and the zodiac were one thing. So this is why the Indian people said when, you know, because we know Aries has nothing to do with the actual stars. Aries comes from where the sun is on March 21st. If you look up any tropical chart, you look it up a date of March 21st, the sun is always going to be at zero degrees Aries. 
because of the precession of the equinox, the sun's position in the sky is moving backwards in the, the, the star map. The star map is like revolving around the zodiac in a way. So because the Indian people were so used to using the star map, really the star map and the zodiac are two interlock, uh, they're wheels that revolve against each other. The Indian people locked the stars into Aries and said, Aries is not March 21st. Aries is what uh, is a place in the sky where the sun is on a certain part of the year. Now, 2000 years later, what zero degrees Aries to them is not March 21st. It's something like, uh, uh, I think it's, I think it's like March earlier in March. Uh, it's basically 23 days behind what we regard as, as the first day of Aries. Uh, so this is the reason why the sidereal zodiac got locked up with, uh, with the stars. I consider myself a tropical astrologer, which means that I consider the star wheel to be its own wheel, and then the space of the zodiac to be a separate wheel due to the precession of the equinox. And that's why, you know, it's something that I had to explore myself. When I first got into the Vedic astrology, I thought that you had to use sidereal. Sidereal, by the way, means of the stars. It comes from a, uh, an old French root, which is itself rooted in Latin, sidereal. It's pertaining to the stars. So the zodiac is fixed to the stars in that system. I myself explored it. I explored Vedic astrology using the sidereal system. And I realized that the Vedic people have a lot of lenses of understanding, of perception of what astrology is, of how to interpret the planets. And all of the interpretations they use are not, they're their own thing. They're separate from the measurements. In my opinion, sidereal Vedic astrologers have great interpretation methods, but in my experience, I haven't found the measurements that they use to be as accurate as the tropical. Of course, that's just from my own exploring and my own findings. I was originally a Western astrologer, so this might be the reason why I fell back into what I remembered to be my tropical chart. And that's kind of my story of how I explored going from tropical Western astrology to sidereal Vedic astrology to tropical Vedic astrology. Essentially, as I see it, as I'm a tropical astrologer, just like probably most of the Western users on here, but I have explored and found effective methods of psychology in the Vedic interpretation style. I've added that to my cross-cultural tool belt, so to say. Does that I make sense it. the way I put it? Yeah, for sure, because it really is so much about the techniques and the interpretations that call us as individuals and what it is that works for our own chart. And from there, we can build on that in terms of how we read other charts as well. So it's so true. I've read a lot of different interpretations and techniques over the years. 
-hmm. And what I normally do is I apply it to my chart right away. And if it works, if it resonates, then I might try uh, testing it out with a couple other people before I decide if it's going to be part of my toolkit, if you will. Um, I mean, I've had, uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, Tetra Biblos by Ptolemy is considered a foundational text to Western astrology. It's almost 2000 years old Mm -hmm. and uh, people can read it online. Anyways, this book has some very specific formulas in it. Like it'll say right. something like if the sun is in this position and the and Mars is in this position, this person will suffer a burn on their right hand when they're nine years old. Like it's right. literally that specific. Totally. And I remember when I first read that book and I, I was checking it out on my chart, but I was like, oh, not really. And then I tested it out with a couple of other charts and everybody was like, no, no, that doesn't make sense for me. Mm-hmm. And that told me that, okay, Ptolemy, thank you. You're brilliant. You're the foundational text of Western astrology. I love you. But for my individual practice and the techniques that I'm going to use to serve others with Mm -hmm. my practice, it may not be these specific techniques that I actually need as part of my own journey. But I know a lot of people who are very true to traditional astrology and to what you find in Ptolemy and they are brilliant astrologers in their own right, for sure. And there's a um, lot there, you know? Yeah. There's so much, like, I think of it as, like, you know, we're all, every person has a different rasa, a different inherent taste profile. You know, like, there's a food joint next to my place, and it's Indian mixed with Mexican. So they're wow. making, like, Mexican burritos mixed with Indian food. And I got to try I'm crazy that about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, it, I'm crazy about it. And there are some people who it doesn't hit, and for me, it just totally works. You know, it is good to be discerning. There are some times when, you know, if you had like, if you had soy sauce in a Mexican burrito or something like that, you know, it's two cultural t- palate profiles that might inherently not work, which is something you have to be careful when you are getting into cross-cultural exploration like I am. That is something I should say. People talk about how you need to be discerning when you are working with two different traditions and cultures and combining them together. But there are times when these points do inherently match up. The Indian and Mexican food is there for me. And in my opinion, so is tropical and Vedic astrology, so far as I've experienced on my palate. (laughs) And so I know that you're in the Toronto area. Off the top of your head, do you know the name of the place? Uh, Yeah, it's called... um, uh, oh gosh, I should know. Next time I'm home, I'm going to go there. No kidding, eh? <laughs> next um, time I go, like, I want to eat that food. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it sounds it's, like um, me. <laughs> oh gosh, I won't be able to think don't, of it. But, you know, if worry. I, I'll let you know if it comes to my brain. God, of all the moments cool. I can't think of that place. Yeah. And if you send the name, I'll try to like link it or, or write it below for totally. anybody else who's in and around the GTA who may want to mm. check that out because that sounds really fascinating. So amazing that you're from Toronto. Yeah, (laughs) I am born and raised. Yes, I was born and raised in downtown. We're meant meant to find each other, Nadia. There you go. And it it is always in me. Of course, I have a Sagittarius moon like you. So Mm -hmm. I consider myself sort of a citizen of the entire planet and the world. And I love learning about the different ways other people live and understand the world around them. But Yeah, it's so much a part of me in so many ways. Like sometimes when I do go to certain places, 
I, I it's kind of interesting. I realized this many years ago that I uh, I was in Europe at the time, and I remember that someone was interacting with me, and they're they're looking at me and bringing a certain expectation of me as a South Asian woman, mm-hmm. and I am viewing the world as a Canadian woman, right? right? I'm viewing the world from that perspective of of being Canadian, born and raised, and the values that that brings and means and whatever people might project based on what they see may not necessarily be what's what's inside of me and what it is totally. that is my truth and what I'm living. So it's so interesting how, I, and I know a lot of people might feel that way in different ways as well, maybe not necessarily, or maybe related to culture and, and how people perceive them, especially if you're a tourist, for example. Mm-hmm. But I can imagine that there that it is a feeling that maybe every Sag Moon person knows where mm-hmm. what the appearance is and what is actually inside. Yeah, may not, I would say yeah, so. Yeah, I would how say that react. There's, mm-hmm. there's something international within you that may not necessarily be evident. Yeah. Well, I often say as a, you know, I've got the moon in Sagittarius as well, as you mentioned. And, you know, that's, I love this cross-cultural stuff. And something I always find myself saying is that the self in one is the self in all. We've all gone through different nurturing experiences, but the thing that humans are doing is experiencing this bliss thing. We all come through the same zodiac. We all come through the same chakras. We all are aimed at the same universal goal in our individual way. And this is something that, you know, even really going through different places, exploring different cultures, you begin to see the self, the universal self beyond the particular. Astrology really teaches us this. You know, you can see just like how they say Om can, because it has three phases, it's got a beginning, a middle, and an end. It implies the timeless and the formless when you say it. In the same way, astrology teaches us when you go through all the 12 houses, all the 12 signs, millions of people with different plants in different places, you begin to see the psychedelic self in one, which is the self in all, the bliss that we're all trying to attain. And I think astrology is a great tool for that. Astrology is kind of like the thorn that you use to pull out the thorn of ignorance in order to see the formless beyond the many forms. I know that so many religious traditions, they talk about how the universe was first created with sound. So they talk about how there was nothing and then there was sound and from sound came form, came everything else. And it's interesting how there's such a tradition of aligning the planets with music, with Mm. musical notes and and how people try to actually create a song looking at your chart. This is something that actually there are a lot of people in the world I've seen, who actually I've seen do that. that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I think uh, there's a gentleman who even I've uh, I've I've gotten him to do it for me, and he made like a poem uh, off of my chart, which was just something that he just sort of rhymed off. I paid him a bit of money, and he did it. And it was cool. His, his name was William Harrison. Uh, he's an astrologer who's been out there for a while. So I think that's, I think that's a brilliant way of doing astrology. It goes to show there's so many ways to do it. You know, there's so many ways to be a person and, you know, I, myself, I, I do charts and I also, I've lately, especially, I just love teaching. 
I love making these presentations and these videos and then just uh, objectifying the knowledge in a way that we can all appreciate. But nothing also beats doing a person's chart. I think that they're both important practices. There's nothing like being a Sag moon. I'll tell you, spoken like a true Sag moon. (laughs) (laughs) Dustin, I have loved getting to know you. Remember everybody, you can go to synchronicityuniversity.com. You've got a limited time to choose your tuition rate and check out Dustin at the upcoming May 2023 speaker series at synchronicityuniversity.com. Links are in the description below. Dustin, thank you. Thank you so much for being here and all that you've contributed to my channel. Uh, Now you're going to be contributing to my school. And I'm really looking forward to see what you contribute to the collective with your passion and your intelligence and your eloquence with astrology. That's so sweetie and Nadia. I'm very excited. Uh, I'm excited to do this class with you as well. Uh, I'm going to be teaching something that resonates basically. uh, It's a technique that we use in Vedic astrology that I would consider to be one of the deepest hearts of Vedic astrology. That's why I've chosen this particular class. Uh, It's very useful for psychology. When you see the way these aspects work out, they're called the friend and enemy aspects. I often talk about the friendship and enemies between the planets. Um, You know, the sun, Jupiter, and Mars are all best friends. They're all very masculine planets. And then Mercury, Saturn, and Venus all tend to be friends as well. And they have interactions with each other that are almost like benefic and malefic with the, the male side and the female side. So this is something that I can't wait to chat with uh, your audience about and to and to talk about. And as usual, Nadia, uh, I'm I'm very thankful for you to, to provide the space for me today. And as well, I can't wait to join and be a part of your great school. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you so much. And again, everybody, remember Dustin's coming to SynchronicityUniversity.com. You can check that out, learn more about his upcoming talk. I think it sounds fascinating. I know a lot of students out there are going to agree with that as well. Thank you again, Dustin. And thank you, everybody out there for watching. Until we connect again, take care. Bye. See ya.